We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the first time in their entire history, Barcelona won a game in the Liga in which they were trailing by two gold or more as late as the 80th minute. They did that for the first time ever in a 3-2 win against Celta de Vigo. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 509 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and of course, this is the five headlines from Barcelona's 3-2 victory over Celta de Vigo. And listen, I got some feedback this week that I wasn't giving enough emotion. I wasn't reacting enough in the 90 minutes, in the moments, and maybe people would enjoy that a little bit more. So I can almost guarantee from this match, there are things that frustrated me. There are things that upset me. But what I'll say is we're going to go through all of it. Xavi got it right. Xavi got it wrong. Benitez got it right. Benitez got it wrong. Barcelona individually were bad. Barcelona individually were good. It's all those things and more in 90 minutes, which is not in any way a referendum on the total project that Xavi, who is now renewed for another year, has on his hands. So let's do it. We'll get into it. The five headlines from Barcelona's 3-2 win over Celta de Vigo. And then before we do that, if you're not subscribed, do that right now. It's a big help because win or lose, there's always things to talk about when it comes to FC Barcelona. So let's do it. The five headlines. Headline one is the Rafa Benitez way. Everything, especially at home, it's always about the Barcelona way. And you always see, especially with games like this, that the pundits who watched it, who aren't affiliated to Barcelona, are going to say, 70 minutes, Celta de Vigo outplayed Barcelona. And they are completely, absolutely right. But the first thing I'm going to do starting this, whether it was winning or losing this match, is I'm going to give credit to Rafa Benitez because he came on the road in the Liga. I know it's Mons Week and not the fabled camp, no, but still, he had Celta de Vigo playing the way that he wanted to play against Barcelona, and I want to start by giving credit to him. I know many are going to already tune out, but if you're still with me after those who aren't happy to hear that, that I'm trying to give credit to Celta de Vigo and Rafa Benitez, one of the greatest managers of the 21st century, well, then yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow, but stick with me here because yes, usually Celta in years past, those who've watched over the years that I've been doing this, they're a high-flying team, usually. But this version with Rafa Benitez, if you watch them so far in the Liga, is a different flavor. 
And it had to be. If Celtic continued to defend the way that they had the last two seasons, they would have found themselves as a relegation contender, which they were. They're barely out of the relegation zone as is. But they would certainly have been relegated this season. None of their big forward additions have found a way to take the place of Yago Aspas for the last few seasons. So if you can't guarantee the goals, and Yago Aspas has not scored in quite some time, even though we'll talk about it in a second, he creates a lot and still is that talismanic figure and still an important part of what they're trying to do on the field. But if he's not scoring goals and you can't guarantee goals from other forwards, you can't guarantee survival in the Liga unless you learn how to defend. And it's been a long time since Benitez won the league that way with Valencia. 20 years, actually, since that time. So in the time that he's had to kind of go down the ladder, if you will, from his days at Valencia winning the league and Real Madrid... But still, he knows what to do, and he has always sustained a system. And as long as he's willing to thrive and adapt with the team that he has, Celtic can find a way to survive. And this game for them on the road against Barcelona was all about survival, defending in a 5-3-2 the way they did and trying to figure out how to exploit the weaknesses that Barcelona were presenting. Headline 2 is stepping in and getting caught. This is where we begin to talk about the issues with Barcelona as much as we're giving credit to Celta de Vigo. In the 19th minute, the first goal comes from a corner. It's well done by Celta to both retreat, but keep Strand Larsen onside. Well done against what was a Barcelona team that was trying to push forward for that offside trap. Obviously, the Koundé missing the tackle on Luca de la Torre is the big thing. And again, when we talk about individual performances, I thought Luca de la Torre, not just because of the American thing, but Luca de la Torre had one of his best matches that I've seen him play for Celta de Vigo of what I've been watching of him at that club. He looks healthy. He looks fit. I know he's wearing that face guard, but he was good in this match. So I'm going to say individual brilliance wise, he was one of the reasons why Barcelona were down in this game. But it was also structural for Barcelona. That's where the biggest issues truly lied, even coming off this corner. I think that Cancel was caught in between two minds here on that corner, looking to step into the midfield immediately, trying to get something to work in transition. But since he took that first step into the midfield and looked to try to defend the man who was checking back to the ball instead of picking up the wine man, there was a huge problem with the spacing. And this can happen on set pieces, though. It's a different story in open play, which we can really criticize. But on set pieces, yeah, things like this happen. Assignments get out of whack, especially when you miss a tackle like the one that Kunde did. So Celta break through in the 19th minute, and it's a goal that beats Ter Stegen across the face of his goal. I don't think there was much he could have done it. It was a wide open net too. More worrying though to me was the counterattack that Barcelona gave up two minutes later that could have led to a goal. If Bamba had his wits about him, Celta would have been up to nothing. That time it was Romeo stepping up and not winning the ball. And again, Kinsella was drawn inside already and Celta looked to exploit that space as Bamba had switched sides over from the right side to the left to overload numerically in behind Kinsella. That was the right move. That was the right thing to do. And listen, some will be quick to blame Alonso, but honestly, in that first half, I know we're going to lose people at this moment too. So if you continue listening on, I really appreciate you. But yeah, some will be quick to blame Alonso, but I thought in the first half, his positioning and decision-making were perfectly fine in this game. I know people said, well, where's Balde moving forward and overlapping and things, but not really. I thought that Alonso was wide when Felix tucked in and defended well when asked. Though, as I said, most of Celta's attacks also came down the left side in the first half, not the right side. If anything, it wasn't Alonso who struggled in this match. It was Jao Felix. And the fact is, Jao Felix and Marcus Alonso had never played together. And I always try to use that as an excuse for the first two or three matches with new players. But yeah, I don't think they had their timing right. They weren't really combining correctly. And it's something that Balde and Jao Felix have put in some good performances already together and seemingly figured out. And when Balde did come on in this match in the second half, which we'll get to later, he was also going in a Celta back line that had defended like hell and were protecting a 2-0 lead, which is different than a Celta team that were looking to bleed out, throw an extra man forward and counterattack the way they were in the first half to try to get that opening goal. 
Headline three is slow to adapt. While I said it's not individually the fault of Alonso that Barcelona went down 1-0 in that game, or even that Barcelona were being outplayed in that game. Structurally, Alonso starting does create its own problems, and that is something, of course, I'm willing to admit. Balde, as I've said many times on the podcast, many times on the five headlines, the drop-off from Balde to Alonso is astronomical. And the drop-off on the right side, if you were to play Roberto and say he is just the backup right-back, then yes, the drop-off from Cancelo to Roberto in an average game, the median of what they're going to give you, is obviously a huge drop-off as well. Maybe the greatest in world football. But I would also argue now that with Balde and Cancelo and what they're capable of and their ceiling, at their best, Barcelona have, to me, a top 10 fullback pairing in world football. And that number, if I thought about it for two minutes, might even be higher. And I think it's fair that Xavi with Mallorca on Tuesday as well in the Champions League match and playing twice a week, Alonso had to come in for Balde. Balde has to get rested every now and again. We've said that. Gabi also going to the bench, getting some rest. Good for him. But Romeo de Jong and Gundogan on paper is literal rotation, yes, but it doesn't have the same connotation that the word rotation usually has. And Cancelo and Felix, who didn't really do much of preseason and didn't really play that many minutes to start the year, they kept their spots. And Lewandowski remained in the starting lineup, which people will have their issues, but... I mean, obviously, you saw at the end of the game, spoiler alert, why he was in that starting line and why it seems he's so invaluable to this team at all moments. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And this is the point now, too, where I go on my long rant people who follow me on social media, on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, I've already seen it. This is the point where I have to try to do my best to separate these 90 minutes and admit to you, which I do in at least 70 minutes today, how badly wrong Xavi got it. People who have tuned out won't have heard this. Of course, I said they had their options to step off already. But if you're still here, I'll say it again for those in the back. Xavi got it so wrong today and Barcelona should have been punished for it. Celta with a better team and they did not get any points from this match. But the question I pose, and I'll pose it again, but the question I pose and I'll pose again, is Xavi's whole plan in complete shambles because teams who play five at the back have figured them out in some way? As I said, I'm going to go back to what I said with headline one. Maybe we have to give Benitez and Celta some credit for getting right and having some good players who played really well at the same time. And then we give Xavi some credit for solving the problems later on. But yes, we can say all those things at the same time. That Celta outplayed them and had a plan for 70 minutes. And that is a huge credit to Benitez. Barca got exposed and they went down. And the team found out how to get in behind Cancelo, which you've seen him play for Man City. You saw him play for Bayern Munich. You've seen him with Juventus. There is a way to get behind, it's not even Cancelo, but any midfielder that comes in. I mean, even with Pep Guardiola learning it in occasions against teams in a low block in the Premier League three years ago when Kyle Walker was going from right back and really stepping in. But Xavi and the players did solve that space problem in 90 minutes. And all of those things can be right. Xavi could have got it completely wrong, which he did. And then he gets it right. And I just found the response to this is I'm the only person you've heard. You may not understand why I'm showing this emotion. Yeah, maybe people ask me for a little bit more. But I did find this game to be particularly frustrating for that very reason. That even Mighty City was down in the Champions League before flipping the switch and then obviously taking it to their opponent. No team is perfect in world football and criticizing the whole project instead of the 90 minutes was exhaustive to me today. And I think one of the reasons I always say to remedy that is just watch more football, especially other good teams. Watch Arsenal. They're not great every minute or in every match. I mean, Arteta doesn't get it right every single time. Pep Guardiola always has a huge talent disparity and advantage over his opponents. So yeah, 95 out of 100 times, he gets it right. And I think for Barcelona, their talent is a lot better. And our expectations for them to have some kind of game plan in every match is a fair expectation that they should do that. But in this case, Barcelona did have some pretty rough individual performances and coupled with structural issues that all kind of came to roost at the same time. Cancelo had the quote after the game. Personally, I was playing a very bad game, he said. Technically, I was having a lot of mistakes, but you have to be focused until the end. It's important to win by playing badly, but you have to improve. Yeah, Cancelo called it out. He was right. Cancelo was terrible for 85 minutes in this match. Awful. Really bad. As I said, worse than Alonso. It wasn't Alonso. Cancelo was really bad in this match and structurally playing the six worked against Betis and Royal Antwerp and then against a team playing five at the back who did get fortunate and were able to play out of that pressure. That meant they had a pretty good counterattack going. The real bad news from this match, I mean, the thing that could upset Xavi's project, honestly, is the injury to Frankie de Jong, who at moment of recording 
may be out until November, which is horrifying because one of the only things that Barcelona had going for them in the first half was De Jong to João Felix coming inside and then trying to play those two balls that we saw against for Antwerp. But he has to be replaced by Gabi there in the first half, and that is a big concern and a story that will continue to develop here. With just that sub from Gabi, Barcelona and Xavi did try to adapt there in the first half too. So credit for Xavi. It's not like he stuck with exactly what wasn't working when they were down one nothing. He tried to move Kinsella wider, tried to get him on the touchline, had Alonso on the other touchline, but Celta were doing a really good job of asking Barca to stretch themselves out when they had the ball. And then Celta, again, were just good on their day attacking through the middle while defending narrow. And that is the way you beat a team like Barcelona or any team that's going to have possession 60-40 or some kind of number like that. Barca were again saved by their goalkeeper in Ter Stegen. In the 41st minute, cross from the right, and De La Torre doesn't get the rebound on the goal. That was probably his one blemish of the day. And then Ter Stegen had another one in the 71st. And I also don't forget the two big clearances from Romeo as well in that first half. If those four moments don't happen, and Celta de Vigo find a way through, will Barcelona get to come down from 3-0 down? <laughs> probably not. Headline four Xavi's response. To his credit as well, he knew he got it wrong. So he made some major changes at halftime, which is managers make major changes at halftime. It's an admittance that I got it wrong. They're not going to say, hey, we were bad and I messed up my tactics. Managers aren't going to say that, but they will kind of admit that with their changes. So Ferran Torres not really involved much at all in that first half. So he didn't come off, but something kind of had to change with the way that he was impacting or lack thereof the game. So Laminiamol on for Alonso and Rondarajo on for Romeu. So at that juncture, it's Koundé, who was the one who was pushed out wide to the left. It's a 4-3-3 defending with Koundé as the left back. And with the ball, it's still a 3-2-5. But Gabi and Cancelo are the two instead of Romeo and Cancelo de Young, which didn't really necessarily solve the problems. It just made Gabi have to show you just how great he can be playing as a defensive midfielder. He did pick up the yellow immediately, and he was... Not to say fortunate to avoid the red, but Bamba goes down looking to get Gabi his second yellow. Bamba should have got the yellow, but I mean, it's always worrisome when Gabi does go to ground like that. But still, that's his game. I said it in the last game against Royal Antwerp. You never want to take that away from a player like Gabi because those yellows and those reds do not pile up enough that you're going to restrict what he can do. So yeah, throw himself in there, do his job, and Gabi was sensational in this match again. I mean, really, he and Koundé have arguments to have been Barcelona's best players to start this season. There are other names, of course, that throw out there, but man, Gabi and Koundé have both been so consistent this year. Ferran Torres, again, struggling to find an impact in this game, but still finding a way to excite the fans of his effort to keep the ball in. Araujo with a long effort as well from out wide. Again, giving fans a way to stay in that match. And I do agree that Barcelona really stunk up the joint for a long time. But there was something about that maybe 55th minute or so. Even when Barcelona were down one nothing, I just, I never felt like it was totally lost. I don't understand with the individual brilliance that Barcelona has and the options off the bench and the ways that Xavi could continue to change up what was happening on the field that people felt that Barcelona were completely done and dusted at one nothing. 60th minute, Balde on for Christensen. And 64th minute, Torres can't finish. Celta turns it over in their own half, and Gundogan springs Torres free, and the Shark just misses wide. But still, warning shots for Celta de Vigo, and you can see that Barcelona, there was a way forward. There was a way back in that game. Rafinha, the last sub on for Torres in the 72nd minute, showing you Xavi's response. Because at that point, the formation changed as well. Rafinha playing as that right attacking midfielder, and Laminium all staying out wide to the right. Balde coming on for that left wing spot, and Cancelo no longer being asked to be that wide option on the right dropping back in, either staying centrally or defending as the right back. And as I've said, since the moment that Xavi first threw on five attackers as his, or attacking midfielders plus forwards as his five subs, when that was allowed, from the moment that Xavi did that, I told you, and I remind you, Johan Cruyff did this as well. Venus Michaels did this as well. 
there's a lot of managers that opt for this kind of strategy to where it feels like, especially when you're down in matches, like you're completely unbalanced and that player needs to be here and that player needs to be here. But when you have possession of the ball, and this is almost tactics 101, if you have possession and you're controlling the ball, even if you're not doing the right things, even if your cohesion is off, even if you're making mistakes, even if you're playing too high a line and getting caught on counters, regardless of all that, the point of possession is to control the match. And over the course of a match, especially at home with your crowd supporting you, you can wear down an opponent. And we saw Celta de Vigo getting worn down in that second half. And when you throw on attackers who have the natural instinct to kind of know where to go and figure out what to do, that allows you to pin back the opposition. And if your rest defense, and listen, if you're Ronald Araujo and Jules Kunde are good enough to deal with counters, then you can find a way back. Like teams who don't have possession in a game, there's no way back for them. But if you're the team who is commanding possession, there has to always be a way back, especially when you have all those aces, as in forwards, on your bench you can throw in late on in the game. Headline five is keep your doubts to yourself. Three goals from Barcelona in eight minutes. And if you extend that to being 15 minutes, it was four goals for both teams in 15 minutes. So Celta's 2-0 comes into 76. Davicas with the goal. Celta play out of trouble. As I mentioned, Celta were keeping their head, keeping their composure, and they played well out of trouble, making a 3v2 on the counter. And that counterattack doing what you do when you have this magnanimous figure in Araujo, making him decide between Aspas and Davicas. Because as good as any defender is, you can't truly guard two guys on the counter. And he guesses right, that being Araujo, for Aspas. Knowing the ball, regardless, was going to go to Aspas. Because if that ball had immediately bypassed Aspas over to Divicas, A, I think Araujo might have been able to intercept it with that angle. He was taking the right angle on it. But that's a lot of space for Divicas and would have given Ter Stegen the time to shut down that angle. But instead, Aspas is able to roll it onto Divicas, giving him a better angle and bring him closer to goal, meaning Ter Stegen had to stay on his line for just a moment more. So yes, Barcelona were compromised, playing a high line, getting stuck with players in possession in that 3-2-5 out of position and not in the right spots to deal with the counterattack. Yes, but again, I also, breaking down that counterattack, want to give credit to the fact that Celta de Vigo had a game plan and Aspas has enough individual quality to help Celta de Vigo get a 2-0 lead. And this is where the butt comes in for our good friend Rafa Benitez. Because at that point, he has to be asking himself, 36-year-old Yago Aspas, up 2-0 in the 78th minute on the road, we should probably put some younger player in who has the legs, who can get this job done and to close out this game. You have to be able to trust your bench and trust your team that you can do that. And, but when it comes to affairs of the heart, what I mean by that is mentality and momentum and all of those things. You still kind of need your leader on the field. And when you took out Aspas, as bad as Barcelona had been, there is a switch to always be flipped. And it's not a new thing this season either by adding Cancelo and Jao Felix. Maybe that switch is a bit bigger. So if you're in the dark, follow my metaphor here. If you're in the dark, you can find it somewhere, but it's a bit bigger and easier to flip this year with more talented players, of course. But even last year, Barcelona won the Liga by 10 points. I know Real Madrid were bad and Barcelona's defense was unsustainably good last season, but still there's a championship mentality, at least in Spain, I'll add that caveat, at least in Spain, that has already been established. 2-1, Rafinha carries it through the midfield, centers it to Jao Felix. It's a little lob over the top of Lewandowski who got his boot up to it. And the finish, still just the 82nd minute when that goal was scored. So I think other than the the real doubters and naysayers who were saying, okay, Barcelona, they still haven't played well enough to get a second. I think most people believed and understood, okay, I feel like we know what's kind of happening at home here. Then the 2-2, Rafinha's pass to Cancelo in, cuts back to Lewandowski for the one-time toke-poke finish. And the way those first two goals were so simple, they really, truly were so simple. You ask, why didn't that happen in the second minute or the third minute or the fifth minute? It wasn't just the individual brilliance of Rafinha. He was in better spots to affect the game. 
But I really do think the principle here is when you have a fresher Rafinha coming into the game, not having to just stand on the touchline and able to operate more in a central channel like that and continue to just attack, attack, attack the opposition, an opposition that is worn down, with Rafinha, again, being fresh, I think things wind up being simple. And those holes that you've been fighting to open up this whole game, they open up. And then the winner comes. And this is where the individual brilliance part of it does kind of come into play. This is just Gabi excellence. Excellence from Gabi on this pass. A perfect pass. I'd say generally well defended by Celta. But Cancelo finding that small window between the two. Finishes around Dominguez. No shot for the goalkeeper. And that is three points for FC Barcelona. That's championship mentality on display there. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. What do I always say about being able to keep multiple things in your mind? So there was a bunch of things with Lewandowski today that were true. Lewandowski needed to be rotated. I think most of us agree with that, that it'd be nice to finally see the 35-year-old, not even because he's playing poorly, but just you want to save a player like that. If he does have some kind of nagging injury, he's not able to get any recovery from that. Again, he plays a lot for Poland as well as those international breaks. And as bad as he's been in stinking it up, he was paid to score goals. He had a brace to bring this game level. He is scoring goals. It's wholehearted Lewandowski because that is the argument that if this guy scores goals as bad as he can be in build-up play and if he's got a poor first touch when checking back to the ball and against five at the back, he's not necessarily making the runs in behind that you really need your center forward to make. And it feels like when Barcelona are down, the Lewandowski is a major part of the problem. But again, he is paid in any way against five at the back, four at the back, three at the back, on the counter, whatever. He is paid to score goals. And so far this season, as bad as he has looked, the goal number and the tally and the points and the wins, the argument is still in his favor that he is on the field for those very reasons. 
So after a 3-2 win, this felt like a little bit of whining for me, but I also felt like that was a reflection <laughs> of where Kool-Aids were at after this one. I think for me, it was more, not to say I'm trying to reprimand Kool-Aids or anything like that, but, you know, as a parent, I'm not mad, but I'm just, I'm disappointed, I think, to hear over and over and over that winning is individual brilliance. And we put these players on pedestals for their individual brilliance of winning these matches, but losing is always about tactics and structural issues that are going to continue from game to game to game to game. And you can argue that between Hadafe and Cadiz and the times that Barcelona struggle against non-elite competition, it's always against five at the back. But every team in world football, no team. Look at Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga in the first half of last season. They were having trouble against the minnows of the Bundesliga for those exact same reasons. When teams set up these low blocks and they have more players defending, then you're willing to throw forward to attack because you don't want to get caught on the counterattack. Then yes, goals can be hard to come by. But it's a champion's mentality to eventually find those spaces and find the holes. And the only question after this kind of match is, if a really, really elite team who is just going to finish their chances in a way that Celta de Vigo don't in Europe, we are talking maybe almost to the knockouts already. No offense to Shakhtar Donetsk, maybe Porto. They've been good to start this year. But if a team finds a way to get in behind Jao Cancelo, if that's how Barcelona are going to play, and Xavi starts a match saying, well, I don't think this opposition team is going to put everybody behind the ball and try to attack in behind Cancelo. If that is where Xavi gets it wrong against elite competition, then yes, Barcelona can be put to the sword in Europe again. And that, I know, is the major fear for everybody. But the other thing I take away from this is, again, the silver lining. Not only do Barcelona have a championship mentality in the Liga, and they won the Liga last season, and they're not afraid, just like Real Madrid. Both Barcelona and Real Madrid are finding ways to get comebacks and winning matches that they shouldn't when they're playing poorly. And that is what La Liga winning sides do. However, come Europe, Barcelona have found a way, with the exception of the first match against Adafé, to find the spaces and the holes because of not only the individual brilliance, but also the way that Xavi isn't just relying on Dembélé this season, but setting up his team with there are a number of passages of play that get you through the spaces that any opposition team is going to throw at you. But the real question is going to be, when the going gets tough and these teams get better, I think the good teams are still going to exploit Barcelona's spaces and weaknesses on the counter because, again, that's football. That's where the numbers lie. But are Barcelona good enough as a team, as a structural whole, to break down the spaces of these good teams as well? That is really the question I have, more than all the other stuff and the defensive concerns, that some of which I can chalk up to, as I said, with the moments. If Cunha doesn't miss that tackle, it's still 0-0, then maybe Barcelona win that game 3-0. Who knows? I know they were being outplayed, but who knows how that winds up. I try to pride myself on having an ability to understand that winning isn't down to just individual brilliance and losing isn't just tactics and structural issues, but instead winning and losing are both of those things. And I try to keep those in my mind. So after this one, yeah, it's a weird one. Barcelona lost the match, but they didn't because they got the three points in the eight minute comeback, which I will reiterate that history here at the end again. This is the first time that Barcelona in their entire history, that is almost 100 years, that's 94 years have won a Liga game in which they have trailed by two-plus goals as late as the 80th minute. That is championship mentality, and as bad as Xavi got it wrong today. Dunk up that whole joint at Montjuic. I am not worried about this project because this team believes in themselves, and as much as somebody like me who cares so much about the X and O's, sometimes that heart, that desire, and that will to be a champion, as cliche as it is, is all we really need. So if you can help me be a champion, I'm trying to change my mentality too. Had a little bit more emotion here today. Hope you liked it. So if you want more emotion or less or anyway, if you enjoy what you're hearing regardless, 
please subscribe to the channel. It's been a big help. It's been really excited. Thank you so much to help me get to 15K. And I know 20,000 is a ways away, but it only takes one of these videos to really pop off people to find it who usually don't find it or people who are looking for something different. Either the podcast algorithms or the YouTube algorithm decides that, I mean, that I'm not really bringing stuff to the table. Well, you can let them know that I've got some stuff to say. So as always, until next time, for Barca. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.